that we started uh, last month at the beginning of January, and we're going to continue it on, and honestly, our series is based on uh, becoming, uh, you went a little too quick there, okay, Uh, becoming a fully committed disciple, and so what we want to talk about is uh, loving, loving God. Uh, passionately loving God. We want to make sure that we understand that this is part of becoming a a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we be passionately in love with God. Uh, If we start there, I believe it begins to set things in order. Uh, Scripture says that that we'll put God first. If we'll put the kingdom of God first, then uh, in his righteousness and, and everything else will be added to us. Things begin to take place and get in order in our lives. Many people, one of the reasons why we struggle in life is because of the disorder in our life. And the disorder in our life is because of the priorities in our life. And so anyway, we've been on this track and we're going to continue today. And we're going to talk about a, part, a, a, a fourth part of this uh, process in passionately loving God. And that's to make a, a life-giving difference with our lives. Matter of fact, we're on a journey. Uh, some of us are doing well on that journey, some of us are not, but we, we are on a journey, or at least God wants to get us on a journey of becoming a fully committed disciple. Uh, disciples are made, they're not born. Understand that just because you've become a believer does not make you a disciple. Uh, scripture tells us, and we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given you all authority in, on heaven, in heaven and on earth. It goes on to say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we're commissioned to go make disciples. All of us as a believer, as a, as, as, a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're commissioned to go make disciples of all people, of all nations. Well, to, become, uh, to make disciples, you've got to become a disciple first. You can't make somebody into something that you're not yourself. And so we're, we've been on this track, and we're, we're going to continue on this track for a, a good while. Uh, but it's really a journey that I, got, I began to look at as I got in Scripture. I began to see that this is a journey. This is not a, a decision uh, that, that will change your life into a disciple. It, it starts with a decision, but it is a journey that we're on. And the first thing that we talked about in this series is that we've got to experience life. We've got to experience the the life of Jesus. The the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, and then we discover to what's it mean to experience life? It means to know him intimately, to, to, to be in relationship with him, not know of him. Some of you I've met. Some of you I've become, I've known, I know your name, but I, I know more of you, not know you in a, in a personal way. And so he wants us to get to know him, to experience him so that we are growing with him and in him. 
And so we talked about that on the first week, that we need to experience life. And then the second week we talked about we've got to find freedom, that we have to deal with our past in order to move forward with God. One of the things that happens with people in their, in their relationship with God is that they don't allow uh, God to bring freedom in their life. As a result, they stay in bondage and they lose the passion that they get from experiencing life in Jesus. Once you experience the life of God in your life, my gosh, it'll transform your life. But if you don't get free, then you're going to find yourself going back and being conformed to this world rather than being transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you have the word of God going and active in your life, it will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth that you know, and that word know is to know intimately, that truth that you know will set you free. So that's where we find freedom. Third week we talked about that we have to discover purpose, our purpose. That uh, God, if, if we don't discover our purpose, then we're going to lose our passion for God. Uh, we're going to start wandering around in the wilderness and we're going we're gonna to walk away from the Lord eventually if we don't find our purpose and start utilizing our life for his glory rather than for selfish reasons. This week again, I'm going to just we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about make a life-giving difference with our lives. We were created and designed by God. God has not only a design but a desire for every one of us to make a life-giving difference. I believe it's in every person on the face of this earth that we desire to make a difference in the lives of others. That we want to just make a difference. And, and so today we're going we're gonna to visit that. If we don't understand that, then uh, again, we'll lose our passion for God. And we will uh, exert all kinds of energy doing things here on this earth that have no eternal purpose. And it will not be fulfilling. It will not be satisfying. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about what we need to do to continue on in this journey in our life. What we're trying to do in creating and making disciples is that we want to we want to help people to to cultivate within themselves a discipline to be self-feeders, self-starters, self-leaders, to be able to 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 move forward with God on a daily basis. And so so that we're experiencing everything that God has for us to experience. So, uh, there's a scripture found in Romans chapter 12 that I want to take, to, take you to in uh, verse 11. And it says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Notice there's three things highlighted here. Never be lacking, keep, and serving. There's, uh, if you're taking notes, there's uh, uh, in your notes, inside your worship guide, there, there's some fill in the blanks there that I want to give you so that you understand some truths here from Romans chapter 12, verse 11. The first thing that we need to see is that we can all be full of passion. Notice it says, never be lacking. That means we can be full of passion. The word zeal actually in one of the root meanings of zeal is passion. So never be lacking in passion. We can all be full of passion all the time. But passion will leak. You got to stay continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to continually be stayed filled with God and with his word. 
If you, if you don't, then you'll lose your passion. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to discover how to do that today. Second thing that we need to understand is that we can all keep our passion once we have it. That it tells us that never be lacking, but keep your spiritual fervor. Another root word of fervor is passion. So we need to keep our spiritual fervor serving God, passionate about God in our lives. And then it tells us how. It says serving the Lord. Passion is a result of serving, one of the results of serving. There's other ways that you become passionate, but according to Romans 12, 11, we serve, the more we serve with the right heart, that is, the more we serve, the more passionate we're going to be about God. When we're making a difference with our lives, you, you get passionate. You do. And so hopefully today, uh, some of the things that I will bring forth will help each and every one of us to want to utilize our life for the purpose of making a life-giving difference in the lives of others. I want to read Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. How fitting, right? Out of the Passion Translation. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him Boiling hot. I like that. You know the difference between something that's that in water, that is, uh, between boiling water and non-boiling water? One degree. One degree. And so it tells us that we need to keep ourselves full of passion, boiling hot for God. It goes on to say this. It says... Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement. How? As you serve him. As you serve him. I wrote this down in my notes. People that lack passion will grow dissatisfied with serving. And people who grow dissatisfied with with serving will lack passion. And so we need to make sure that we... Continue to serve with the right heart. Make sure that we're giving our life away. When you lose your life, you find it. But when you hold on to your life, you lose it. And so when the more that we can make a difference in the lives of others, I believe it's, it, it, it fans the flame of passion in our life. Right? And for you that know what I'm talking about, I know that you would agree with me. Uh, if you're not, and if you don't, then what happens is that you walk away with, with, with dissatisfaction, sorrowful, sad. Uh, you, you walk away not knowing what uh, life could be. Uh, I, I've alluded to this uh, guy over, the, over this series, but I want to allude uh, to him again, and that's the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus laid out this, uh, this, this uh, plan, and he says, listen, you got to do this, do this, do this. And of course, this rich young ruler, he was pretty excited about what Jesus said. I mean, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing those things. And he said, he said, you know, I've been doing those things since I was a youth. And then Jesus loving him in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, it says, And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing that you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Take up your cross and follow me. 
But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. My belief is one of the reasons why so many, so many people are struggling on a day-by-day basis, dissatisfied in relationships, even church and ministry and different places, is because we haven't understood the importance of making a life-giving difference in the lives of others, and we're not fully engaging. We're not totally bought in. We're not giving our all. Somewhere we're withholding, just like this rich young ruler. He did a lot of things well, but there was something that he wasn't giving to God, and that held him back, and that's what kept him from making a life-giving difference. There are theologians that believe that he was being examined as one of the, uh, uh, or a consideration of being one that would replace uh, Judas after his death to replace Judas to be the 12th disciple. And he walked away from it. What a sad, sad thing. Just because he held back. Just because he had, a tr- he had trouble. If you go on and read, he had trouble trusting in God. He trusted in his money more than he did God. So what I want to do is I want to talk about what kills our potential. Our potential to make a life-giving difference and what kills our passion. First thing that I see in scripture is, number one, a distracted heart. And it's so easy to get distracted in our day and age, isn't it? There's so many things demanding our attention, calling for our attention, buying for our attention. There are so many things that are distracting in our day and age like probably no other time in history. And a distracted heart will cause us to to miss out on our God-given potential to make a life-giving difference, and it will cause us to miss out in being the passionate person that God wants us to be. Philippians says this. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, says it, it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Here's the thing that I see about Timothy here, Paul talking about Timothy. Paul says, I I have no one else like Timothy and all the people that I'm leading, all the people that I'm ministering to, the different churches that I've started, I still have no one like Timothy. Most people are distracted doing their own thing. Because there's so many things out there that's demanding and calling and asking for our attention. And many people are buying into it. And they're following those, those things that distract rather than the things that make a life-giving difference in and through their lives. Honestly, let's all be honest. I think probably everybody in here struggles with that. Let me just say this once again because I, 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 didn't, I didn't say it in, the, in today's uh, uh, service, but I do want to say this. Uh, if you're not there today, just understand that you can get on a path to get there. And don't be condemned. Just know that you need to take steps towards where you need to be. 
All of us are on a journey and God's called us to take steps. He has not called us to take leaps. He will lead us one step at a time. And so if you are not a disciple today, you're a believer, but you're not a disciple, then that's okay. Start taking steps towards being a disciple. One of the steps that it takes for us to be a disciple is that we have to lay down our life. That we cannot live this life for ourselves. The Bible says, Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. In order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciplined follower, which also means a disciple, then we've got to lay down our life. That the life that we live in this flesh, that we don't live for ourselves, but we live by the faith of the Son of God. That it's no longer us that live, but it's Christ living in us. That, it, it, that we are decreasing, that he might increase in and through our lives. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And, and what I'm telling you, in the flesh, your flesh will buck it, your flesh won't like it, the, your flesh will resist it, and your flesh will even rebel against it. But if you'll give in to the Holy Spirit, give in to the Word of God, give in to what God's saying, it will be the most fulfilling life. Listen, there's nobody that lives in the flesh that's ever fulfilled. You'll always be dissatisfied. It, it, you'll never satisfy the flesh. That's why this is one of the most challenging messages that I'll ever give is because it goes contrary, it goes contrary to the natural thinking. The Bible says that a natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. We resist it. That's why you've got to be renewed in your mind, the way that you think. You cannot keep thinking the way that you think and have the results that God wants you to have in your life. Are we doing good this morning? So, uh, the Bible tells us that the things that we pursue in this life have the potential of just choking out what God's trying to do in our life. In Mark chapter 4, it's not on your, uh, up on the screen, but it says that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of, of riches and the, desire, the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so when, when, we, when we allow those distractions to come in, those things that distract us from what God wants to do in our life, eventually, you might be doing okay today, guarantee you, mark it down, eventually it'll it will choke the very life out of you. It will choke the passion out of you and your potential. Let me read uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2. Uh, and I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I like the way it puts it. It says, Yet I am trusting in the Lord Jesus that I may send Timothy to you soon so that I can be refreshed when I find out how you're doing. Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. I like that. He has, the Bible says he's like-minded. That word like-minded means to be equal in soul or it means to carry the same passion in heart that Paul had. And so he says here that Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus. Isn't that good? You are already you already know about his excellent reputation since he has served alongside me as a loyal son in the work of 
the ministry. So, first of all, what, what kills our potential, our potential make a life-giving difference and, a, 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 and kills our passion? One is distractions. Number two, the second thing is this, is a disinterested heart. Sometimes we just aren't interested in what God's interested in. Sometimes our, the concern is just not big enough. We've got to have a great concern for the things that God's concerned about. Most of the time, people that struggle with this are more concerned about themselves than they are concerned about what God wants and is desiring to do in and through their lives. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10, we'll start there. And it says, if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does not work for the Lord as I, as I also do. Excuse me. For he does work for the Lord. Excuse me. For, for he, does, he does the work of the Lord as I, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me. For I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our, our, our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. You know, uh, Tony Cook brought this scripture out, and there's two things here, is that Apollos was unwilling, and and if it was if it was something that uh, he it was convenient for him to do, he would go ahead and do it. Disinterested. There was the current the concern was just not big enough. Do you know if you don't have a concern in your heart for the things that God's concerned about, you're not going to have a passion for Him. You're not going to have a passion for the things that He is passionate about. And so we have to be concerned. We have to be concerned for those that need us. When I'm talking about making a life-giving difference, I'm saying there are people that need to be reached that are lost and unsaved that you and I need to be reaching. There are those that are hurting that need your ministry in their life. And you might say, who am I? Well, we'll talk about that hopefully in just a little bit. Let me give you the third thought because I need to download a lot still yet. Thirdly is a disconnected heart. And this is the devil's uh, aim, is try to get us disconnected. If he can get us disconnected, he's got us where he wants us. Because we're, we're not effective like we need to be. And again, if you're not effective in serving, then you're going to lose your passion in what God wants and has for you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, it says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Notice here, I, I, they, were, they stood outside seeking to speak with him. Notice they were outside. They were not with Jesus. They were outside, disconnected. And then it goes on to say, then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and he said, here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother 
are my brothers and my sister and my mother. Now, when I first looked at this, I, th- I thought to myself, was Jesus disowning his family? I don't believe that he was disowning his family by saying this. I just believe that he was making a statement. I believe that he was saying that family should be those that are doing life and ministry together. I believe that he was making a statement that we should be doing this thing together, making a life-giving difference in the lives of others, that it shouldn't be a disconnect there. No wonder the devil works so hard to disconnect. No wonder he speaks lies. You know, last week I told you this, as soon as I cracked open my eyes, as soon as I opened my eyes last week, uh, this, this word came to me, and it's anticipate and expect the best. And right after that, I thought, regardless of what you see or what's going on, anticipate and expect your best. And some of you have been around me for a long time, and I've, I'm always saying this, that if you, if you go negative, you get negative. The moment you allow yourself to go negative, you get negative. The devil loves for us to focus on the negative, and there's always going to be negative. Listen, I have issues. I admit it. I realize it. I have issues. I am, I am, uh, God is at work in me. I met with some pastor friends this week, and after we left with our visit, I told my wife, I said, why did I say some of the things that I said? And honestly, (laughs) I got issues. I just do. I do, don't I, Lynn? I met with Lynn this week, too, so he knows. I got issues. And, uh, but you know, don't allow the issues in life to keep you from the relationships that you have in life, especially your family, your church family. And what Jesus was saying is stay connected. Don't, don't get disconnected. Because the moment you get disconnected is the moment that, that you cease to be as impactful as you can be which is where I'm wanting to lead us today. What makes us, what causes us to make the the greatest life-giving difference in the lives of others? I'm going to give you one scripture. I'm going to give you three thoughts in just concluding today's message, and that's this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This is Jesus. See his heart. Guy was, you know, he was, he was, he is passion, Right? I mean, he's heart. He's love. Yeah, he, he's the most uh, passionate uh, uh, person you, you'll ever know. And uh, it says this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It moved him. There's, there's things that ought to move us because of the passion in our heart. We, uh, uh, to me, we ought to be moved by the by in our hearts for those that are lost every day i pray for the lost we ought to be moved in our hearts for those that are hurting those that are sick those that are in pain we ought to be moved in our hearts for those that are 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 struggling in their spiritual walk and we we ought to be moved with compassion for them to be able to assist them and make a life-giving difference for this this message is meant to encourage I'm here to tell you that every one of us have potential. 
But we were moved, or Jesus was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Next one. It goes on to say, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. There's few people that understand the importance of what I'm saying today. That your life was created to make a life-giving difference. You do not need to be on the sidelines. I do not need to be on the sidelines. He created us to do this together. He looked at his disciples and said, the harvest is not the problem. It's the labors. We have to understand this. Then he went on to say, therefore pray. Guys, we got to be a praying people. Every day we need to be calling out to God for the harvest. Calling out to God for labors, leaders. That's one of my prayers every day. God, that you would send us these labors and leaders so that we can make the kingdom impact that you want us to make. So I said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into the harvest. So God wants us, he wants us and desires for us to to do that. So here's just some few thoughts that I have that I want to share with you concerning us making a difference together. God called us to be a body, a body of believers. You might be new to Church on the Move. If this isn't, if this isn't where God calls you, find the place to get connected. And let me tell you why. Because number one, we're better together. We are just better together. Uh, it's, I believe that's what Jesus was saying here. You know, when we get together, we're going to make a bigger impact. Functioning together makes us better. Jesus had a passion to make a life-giving difference, and his, his passion drove him to prayer. His passion drove him to say this, so that it echoes throughout the, the ages, so that we today could hear what he said back then, that it's still a labor issue, that he wants us together so that we could be better. Does that make sense? And, uh, and disciples are families that are doing life and ministry together. And our church is better because we join together. You know, every Sunday morning, we have a, a number of us that come together and we just do ministry together. We call it a dream team. We call it a dream team because it's God's dream that we're trying to, have, uh, trying to fulfill here on this earth. He says, I, I want you guys to be doing this thing together. And as a result, we're making an impact together. Isn't that good? Amen. And uh, Tony Cook said something last week that I just want to share with you. He says, God always starts with a leader but finishes with a team. And, and so this isn't up to me. This is up to us. We're better together. And people, people see people uh, in our church, lots of people serving. Don't, don't misunderstand. There's always room for you. There's always a place for you. And, 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 and you, you just need to understand that. And you might think, you don't know my life. You don't know my past. For the most part, you've heard it. If you've been around here for a while, but I'm here to tell you, I was telling, I was telling uh, uh, Jamie and Amber yesterday, you guys just don't know my past. You've heard me talk about it, 
but but you just you just don't you i mean I, I, my past was bad i was extremely i was dysfunctional on steroid steroids i i i had a lot of dysfunction in my life and god brought me in into a local church and he began to take the dis out of dysfunction and has made me function and functionable in the body of Christ. And he started to do that immediately, immediately. So I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened in your life. I know a guy that prior to Christ, he's, he killed a couple of people. Went to prison. He's out. And he's serving in ministry today. And so, it, it, you know, you can be used by God in a powerful way. I, I like this uh, quote. I quoted this last year. And it's this, leadership doesn't exist for itself. Leadership exists to facilitate function. Functionality is the goal. Leadership is the means to the goal. In essence, what I'm saying is that Leadership, my, my sole responsibility is to help bring the body together to function like a body, to equip the body for the work of the ministry. Not only me, but our leaders, our pastors, that's what we're here to do, is we're trying to equip all of us to be laborers so that we can make a huge impact. Because why? We're better together. Secondly, we're also brighter together. The, 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 the more that we come together, the more that we utilize our, our lives, the more influence we're going to make here on this earth. We're brighter together. I was thinking of some churches that we're connected with. Church on the Move in Tulsa, they run probably around 12,000 on a weekend. Somewhere around there. Don't you know that they're shining bright in their community? The more people that we can reach, the more people that we can get engaged, get into get engaged and serving and, and us doing this thing together, the, the brighter we're going to be in our community. Amen. I was thinking about uh, Legacy Church, a pastor friend of mine that I served in ministry with at Church on the Move that's now pastoring in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's uh, pastoring a church around same, uh, about the same number, around 12,000 people, 14,000, somewhere around there. I thought about Church of the Highlands that we're networking uh, with and uh, a part of, and they, they run around 50,000 on a weekend. I thought about Life Church. Life Church is running around 75,000 here in America throughout all their campuses on a weekend, every weekend. How bright they are in, in community. We're brighter together, guys. Our influence becomes greater. We're spreading salt and light everywhere we go. Just think of the impact if we, we, if we all capture that God created us to make a life-giving difference and the passion that will go forth, the lives that will be changed, the people that will be saved. Let me give you one closing thought, and that's this. We are best together. That's when we're at our best. I'm not at my best. Until we're all connected. We're called to be a body. We don't want a part of the body being disconnected from the rest of the body. 
Why? Because we don't function at our best. When an arm is dislocated, come on up here, Terry, my, my, my prop, my human prop. And, and I, we teach this in our growth track of which to, that's a great place to get connected today. Go through step one in our growth track. Uh, Terry, I, I, he, he's, he and his wife, they oversee our growth track. And, and I always say, you know, we're supposed to be a part of a body. And if I was able to rip, and I, you know, he's a military guy. And, and, uh, and I, you know, he's pretty stocky, right? And, but if I was able to rip his arm off of his body, his arm would shrivel up and die. His body can live. The rest of the body can live. But eventually the arm's going to shrivel up and die. It's going to lose it's, uh, it's strength, it's uh, nourishment, and, and everything that comes from the whole body. And so we need to stay connected. Thank you, sir. You do well. You know that? You do that so well. We need to give you a raise. Uh, you just <laughs> so, so anyhow, uh, you know, we're best together. When Tony and Lisa were here, uh, last week, uh, and they ministered here, and we were eating over lunch, and, and Lisa just reached over unsolicited. I didn't ask her what she thought. She says, I just want you to know that you're all's church. I'd give it an A+. plus. I'm not here to grade, but I'm going to just tell you, we're all over the country, and you guys, you guys are doing it. And she, she began to uh, rave about uh, about. The excellence, she began to rave about, she says, I know that your, your worship team, that you all lack some instruments, but she says, you all are knocking it out. She says, you guys are doing a fantastic, fantastic job, and, uh, and they're, getting, they're, they're getting better because we get better, right? And, and so, so as we grow, we're going to get even better and better and better because we are at our best when everybody is connected. Amen? And I'm telling you, from our children's department to our greeters to everybody, it, it, and we hear this from all the speakers that come in. They, they, they see the different churches and they say, man, you guys, you guys, and they're looking at towards the future. We've got a, a huge future before us. By the way, we just, we just passed this year the threshold of over 10,000 decisions since our inception as a church. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. We believe in reaching the lost, discipling the found, and equipping the next generation. Are we where we need to be? Are we where we want to be? No, that's why I'm bringing this message. I believe that God wants us to grow and multiply this year, not add, multiply. I believe that he wants us to grow hundreds of percents over this year. But it's not going to happen just because I wish it or because I want it. It's going to happen because we are anticipating and expecting the best and we all get behind it and get connected and we move forward. So my question to you as I close today's message is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Would you bow your hearts, please?